Good morning. Good morning. morning. Um, Shall I keep my accent? Yes. I introduced myself just now as Paul, and the guy was like, "What? What's your name?" I think it was Ben. I was like, "Paul." He said, "Oh, Paul." I get it. We we speak without an accent where I come from, um, but I know you guys speak with an accent here, so I'll try my best to be to be understood. As JR said, it is just such a, a joy for me to be here. We met a number of years ago, and we've grown to love the people from Mount Helena that we've met. Brian and Margaret AC have become dear, dear friends of ours, and they come out once a year to us and, and bless us and take care of us and love us and love our kids um, and also the other folk I've met. And I just want to say thank you so much for your support, your encouragement, whether knowingly or unknowingly over the last couple of years uh, to us, uh, either financially but also through the team that came at the beginning of last year to help us renovate a building which we moved into. I think it was the day the renovations ended, we had our first service. So it was touch and go, uh, but Owen and Becky and their team slaved away. It was such a blessing. But also for us just to have uh, friendship with people on the other side of the world is a big deal for us. Uh, We believe God calls us uh, together into worldwide mission. And for that, you need people all over the world. And so thank you for your partnership, your encouragement, and support, and hopefully uh, it's just the beginning of, of many years of fruitful ministry together. Um, as JR said, I live in South Africa, which is right in the tip of South Africa. I know Americans are really good at geography, but I thought I might point that out. Um, it's, Africa's made up of more than one country. There's 52 countries, and uh, we, we live right in the south. I'm married to an incredible woman called Shannon, who was supposed to be here, but thanks to the travel restrictions for COVID, She's not. She's back home with our five amazing children and uh, taking care of them. And I'm starting to miss home. I've been away for over two weeks. I head back tomorrow uh, with, uh, it's kind of a bittersweet feeling. It's, I've only been in Montana since Thursday. Uh, it's been an absolute joy. Um, but I'm looking forward to my family. But I wish I was here a few days longer. I lead a, a church in South Africa called Freedom Church, uh, which I mentioned just now. We, we started in January, uh, February last year. We had six meetings and we went straight into a lockdown because of COVID. And uh, it was a wild start to, to planning a church. But God's been so faithful to us and so good. And uh, we work with some incredible people and have managed to see the kingdom of God advance where we live and seeing a number of people saved, uh, lives restored, and caught up in the mission of God. I'll also, as JR said, lead a group of apostolic movements, um, eight different movements who are across the five or six different countries, and I work alongside men and women who are already called by God, who've already uh, got skin in the game, have shown fruit, and we come alongside and just support them in whatever way we can through friendship, love, uh, through uh, caring for each other, but also catching them up into something bigger. I'm convinced and convicted that Africa has a story to tell to bless the world. And so it's my privilege to be able to come. I wish I could tell you a whole bunch of stories. I was with the elders and wives on Friday night and that's kind of all we did was tell stories. And I love them because I love what Jesus is up to. But I'm going to run out of time if I do that. So I probably won't. Just to say that all over the world, this gospel that we love is growing and bearing fruit as we read about in the book of Colossians. And I'm so encouraged wherever I travel to see 
see people laying their lives down for Jesus, taking this call seriously on our lives and seeing what Jesus does with sacrifices like that. And we have just started in the last year or so to be established in amongst unreached people groups up the east coast of Africa and now into Pakistan. And that's been my my heart's cry. Ever since God uh, saved me and redeemed me, uh, I, I heard about this thing of the local church after that, and I fell in love with the local church. And then the kind of second big thing for me was hearing about God's purposes in the nations. That not only does he want us to reach the lost in our cities and our towns or our families, but also he has an inheritance for all of us in the unreached peoples of the world. That it's God's desire that one day in heaven there will be people from every every tribe, every language spoken in heaven, praising God together. Doesn't that sound amazing? That got me going, I must say. And I realized at that stage of my life, I was a young guy in my 20s, I want to live for that. That's what I want to give my my life to. So thanks for having me. I have been stalking you over the last six weeks and listening to um, the preachers that have been happening over the last while, just trying to get a sense of what God is doing here. And I just want to say I've been so blessed by the messages, by the sense of, of what God is doing amongst you and your desire to build community and to live out the mission, because those two things really must go together. And uh, I'm not going to. I'm going to try not to repeat what you've heard. And I just want to focus on one aspect of the living the mission, and that is the aspect of all of us having a role to play in Jesus being declared King, being glorified in every tribe and nation on the earth. All right. So there I am, out front. There will be no surprises. I want to catch you up more and more and stir you up to believe that you as Mount Helena and as individuals have an inheritance in the nations and God wants you more and more involved. Sound good? All right, so I'm going to try to lay a bit of a foundation for that. I want to then have a quick look at our context and then we'll see where we land a little bit later. Um, I became convinced of of one word uh, that has really struck me when it comes to this subject and it's a short little word and it's pronounced all. All right, all, all. We say all. A little word? All. A-L-L. A-L-L, all, all. 50 times in the Old Testament, we find this little word used in relation to God's desire to restore all things to him, to bring all nations back to him. The Bible is one long story of Jesus God in Jesus reconciling the nations to him. The fact is, though, the story doesn't end at the end of the Bible. The story continues to this day, and we get caught up in that. So 50 times in the Old Testament, we see this desire that all nations would come and praise God, that all would come, that all every tongue and nation, all would come. I'm going to look a little bit in Ephesians just now where you guys have been uh, preaching through a bit and John Meek Jr. a few weeks ago did. 25 times in the first four chapters of, of Ephesians, we see the same word, all. All nations will come. All things will be united in Christ. And if you remember one thing from, from me today, remember that word, all. Jesus is concerned and Jesus is on a mission to bring all things together under his authority. Colossians 1 verse 19 says this, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all 
all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Amen? All things. I want to jump to Revelation 7 quickly because we are an unusual people as the people of God. We're engaged in a mission. We're engaged in a battle. Sometimes our faith is called. We're engaged in a journey, it's called. All these different things, they walk. But we're unusual in that we know where we are going. We know the end of the story from the beginning. I mean, the best part about reading a story is normally trying to find out, well, how's this going to end? And you read right up until the end. But for us as believers, we have been told how this will end. We have been told that in Christ Jesus, these things that we trust for, that we live for, will take place. Revelation 7, and I could read many scriptures, but a couple of verses in Revelation 7. John says this. He says, after I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, that covers just about every human, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb who we just sung about. Folks, if we catch ourselves up in the purposes of God, if we join with him in what he's doing, our success is guaranteed. We're on the winning team. No matter what we go through, no matter what weaknesses we have or shortcomings or mistakes we made, when we join Jesus and what he's doing and bringing about this uniting of all nations, of all things under him, we can be guaranteed our lives, our, our lives will have purpose and our lives will succeed in bringing God the glory he desires, the glory he deserves. Amen. Amen. So, as I said, I want to jump into Ephesians quickly and just and just move those through those four, first four chapters. Um, and I know you've heard this over the last couple of weeks, so I'm going to try not to stay here too long. I love Ephesians. It's, it's kind of one of my favorite books uh, in the Bible. But there were four things that just jumped out the other day after listening to some of the preaching going on here that jumped out to me. And, and as I was praying, I just wanted to remind you of a few things, remind you of a few facts this morning, facts of life, facts of actually what is truth out there. Number one, it tells us in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10, that God has revealed this incredible mystery to unite all things in Christ. God in Jesus has made his plan clear. His game plan is out there. And his game plan is this, that all things will be united in Christ. All right? Every tribe, every nation, every government, powers, principalities, everything will come back under Christ's leadership as God intended before the fall. Amen? Number two, God has given Christ rule and authority over all things for all time. You guys, one of your favorite scriptures the last couple of weeks has been Matthew 28. You know, that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. Therefore, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus has all rule and authority over all things. Three, God has in Christ destroyed enmity between us all. God and man, man and man, and has created one new man in Christ. Folks, in the gospel, in what Jesus has done for us, he puts us all on the same kind of page. It doesn't matter how old or young we were, rich or poor, what color our skin is, our background, who you vote for, amazingly, it's 
all the same in Jesus. There's those barriers that bring us apart, that divide us, Christ dealt with, that we could be his body, his people. Number four, God has chosen to display this incredible wisdom, this amazing stuff. God has chosen to display this, his gospel, to all through you and me, through the church. Isn't that amazing? I mean, look around. You think, really, God? (laughs) Through us? This incredible wisdom of the gospel, this mystery that was hidden and now revealed, this this hope of all the world, this this life-saving truth has been entrusted to us to share with the world. Isn't that amazing? Now, these are not things we strive for. This is who we are. This is our identity. This is, these are the facts of life. Four things then come after that for me. Another four. Paul says really clearly, and I know you guys have covered this recently, that first of all, Paul says that we were dead in our sins. If on one hand, God has done and decided all these incredible things. On the other hand, Paul says, but we were dead in our sins. And I, 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 I can't stress the importance of that today. When Jesus came into our lives, if you're born again here, you weren't going through a tough time. You weren't struggling a bit. You didn't need just a little bit of help. Scripture says again and again, you were dead in your sins. You were without hope. And without God in the world, there was no way you could please God through anything you could do or say or give. You were, in fact, an enemy of God. That was our position. And it's so important as believers, we remember that. Because when we remember that, the gospel, we can't help but live in adoration and thanksgiving on a day-to-day basis. I mean, I know it's true for my life. I know every one of us here has a testimony. You have a story of what God has done in your life, of how he saved you out of some, some hideous darkness, and restored you to his light. I have a story. I, I'm just so thankful. I, I'm, like, I'm sure that if Jesus hadn't stepped into my life as a 21-year-old man, when he did, miraculously, while I was drunk in a pub one night, if he hadn't done that, I'm pretty sure I'd be dead by now. Like, I, I don't know how I wouldn't be dead. Either I would have driven off a cliff, uh, racing a car, I struggled with mental health issues, I would have potentially a chance of taking my own life or somebody else's wife would have shot me or something like that. So I've got no doubt God saved my life, not just in an eternal sense, but right here on earth. And folks, if we're honest, we're all like that. We were dead. We contribute nothing to this incredible gospel. We bring nothing of value in a sense to our salvation and Jesus. However, because Jesus is so amazing, because he loves us so much, because of these great purposes that God is so determined that everyone on earth would be able to have a chance to hear the good news of the gospel and to receive that, he's done some pretty amazing things to us. He saved us by grace. He, he says that we're chosen We didn't choose God, folks. He chose us out of our darkness, out of our death. He redeemed us and he has forgiven us. If you're born again this morning, I'm not so worried about how you feel. I'm telling you this morning, that is your position. 
All right, you are saved, chosen, redeemed, and forgiven. Yes, even for the stuff you did last night, even for the thoughts you had today. Secondly, we're told here in chapter one that we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit and that we have God's immeasurably great resurrecting power at work within us. God doesn't save us and then leave us to our own devices, does he? He saves us through the power of his spirit, then he enables us to live out the life he calls us to live, and we'll talk about that later, through the power of the same resurrecting power that raised Jesus from the dead that worked within us. Thirdly, it tells us here that we have been predestined according to God's own purpose and have been given an inheritance in the kingdom of God. It means before the creation of the world, before your mom and dad thought about you, before anyone uh, on this earth ever lived or breathed, God knew you. And God predestined you that you would live, that you would live here, that you would have the skills you have, the gifting that you have, the relationships. He predestined us according to his own purpose. He predestined us that we would live for him and his purposes. Finally, it tells us here in chapter 2 that we are God's workmanship, created for good works, prepared beforehand, that we should now walk in them. Not only did he predestine us, but he handcrafted each one of us. Every one of us here has a unique call on our lives. We have a unique way to respond to this incredible grace of Jesus and all that he's done in the gospel. And it looks different for every single one of us. God is so creative. He doesn't make us all the same. He doesn't call us to all, to all the same thing. He calls us to different stuff all the time. And he's prepared it that we simply need to walk in it. One of the easiest things for humans to do is to walk. And it's the sense of, hey, God has gone before us. It's not all on us to make up our minds, to figure this all out. What has God called me to? Simply God has called us to walk in his ways and with him. Okay, cool, cool. So I'm going to take that as a given. We all agree with that this morning. Um, Paul, though, then in chapter four, sums this up so beautifully, and he says this. He says, I therefore, whenever you hear therefore, you know you need to pay special attention because he's now going to apply what we've just heard. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, and he goes on to talk about how the ascended Christ has spread abroad gifts to all of us in his church. And it says he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for works of service, for the work of the ministry, for building up 
the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. And he goes on and on. Folks, Paul sums up these first three chapters that he's gone through, laying these foundations. And we know Paul always does that because he always starts with grace. He always starts with the big picture. He always starts with what God is doing and how we respond. And Paul says, this is how I want you to respond. And I can sum all of that up in two lines. And, I, and you know these well. Build community and live the mission. All right? I'm so blessed by you guys as a community. I mean, if you look at those first couple chapter, first couple verses of what I've just read, it's about how we treat one another in community with gentleness. Can I read some of that again? Humility, gentleness, uh, bearing with one another in love, patience. It speaks of how we are to, because of what Jesus has done for us, we can lay aside our pride, we can lay aside our rights, our desires, our wants, and serve one another in community. We are called to be in community we are saved into a family are we not and this is a representation of the family of God here in Helena and so Paul says because of grace because of all what God has done for us because of his purposes in the nations build community build a community but then he goes on and he says but also each one of you has been given grace all right, in chapter 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. To do what? To go on and equip the church to see it through to maturity. Every one of us here, every one of you has a measure of grace on your life that is totally different to the person next to you, but totally unique, totally needed in the building up of this church so that, so that you can fulfill your mission. You see, the community and the mission, you cannot separate. You can't separate. It's not like, okay, we do community and then a few people do mission. No, God calls you into community so that you can live the mission together as you represent Christ, as you represent the gospel, as you represent reconciliation and grace and gentleness and humility, you represent the gospel to your community right here. But also, that goes on to say in chapter 4, it says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. Your community is not just for you. All right? It's, it is super important that you live for your city, that you live the mission here. But can I encourage you that it is not just for your city. Your community is for the mission, that you could play a part and continue to play a part in serving the church across the world to see it come to maturity in Christ Jesus, as it says here. Does that sound exciting? I think it's super exciting that everyone has a part. I grew up as a farm boy in a little farm town of about 500 people. And uh, I, I, there's rem, rem, uh, remnants of how I grew up around Montana. Joe and I took a drive out on Friday to Elliston. And he was like, that's where my cousin lives. That's where my other cousin lives. That's where my uncle lives. That's where my granddad lives. I'm like, man, imagine trying to find a girlfriend in this town. <laughs> but... um. <laughs> I grew up somewhere like that, out in the middle of nowhere, uh, 500 people, a farm boy, and yet 
because of Jesus Christ, because of his great love for me, his grace, and because he loves to use the things that are not in the world to shame the things that are. He loves to use donkeys to speak, silly boys uh, to, to, to display his glory. He does that. And he wants to do that in you. All of you. And it's going to look super different for all of you. I want to try and put that into real life context, if that's okay, for you this morning. Because I'm sure you pretty much all agree with that. Psalm chapter 2 is a psalm that sums up how what I see happening in the world today, maybe more than any other psalm. It's one of my favorites. So if you could go there, they're going to put it up. Psalm 2. I think you'll agree, the last couple years in our world has probably been the most upside down few years we've ever experienced. I know some of you here are a lot older than I am, so I can't speak with absolute authority. But the last five years has just seemed crazy. I mean, COVID itself has just turned our worlds upside down. As I said earlier, my wife is not here because of travel bans. Uh, some of us have been sick. I've, I've lost loved ones to COVID. I've been sick. Uh, I haven't been able to travel. Our economy in South Africa has been totally smashed through lockdowns and travel bans and more and more people dropping into poverty. Long, sad story. But, but I think we agree. It's a time of real uncertainty in the world. In your own nation, you're going through uncertain times when it comes to political things. And I'm not getting involved in your politics. We've got enough problems of our own. But it's been uncertain. There's been fear rising within your own nation. And uncertainty to how this plays out. I think around the world, it doesn't seem we don't have more than a couple of weeks before there's some kind of nuclear threat from somewhere. It's either you guys fighting with the Russians or the Chinese fighting with someone else. It's like, whoa, I hope these boys put their guns away because it's kind of scary where if you take your eyes off Jesus and have a look at where we're going, Psalm 2 gives me courage, and Psalm 2 helps me keep my perspective. And I want to read it through. Paul, uh, David says in this messianic psalm, he says, Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree, the Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I'll make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. 
Folks, that is the backdrop to which we live out our calling. That is the reality of the world we live in, where we are called to build community and live the mission. It's not in a vacuum. It's not on a piece of paper. We don't figure this out in a boardroom. We do it in the real world. We do it out there. And I know you guys are going through a tough time, but this is where you're called to live out your mission and be the community of God that God has called you to be in hostile and more and more hostile terrain. All over the world today, and it's nothing new, but all over the world we see these little kings, these little emperors trying to play God. Whether they are political figures, whether they are these billionaires who fly off to space and trying to change the whole world, who, who really count themselves as God, throwing off all restraint, throwing off those restraints of the gospel and godly living more and more in the West as we see. The West, your nation was built on revival. It was built on the gospel. And yet we see all around us this throwing off of restraint, this cry, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. We see this on a daily basis. Yet God is not bothered. God is not fussed. God is sitting down laughing in derision to the world in its rebellion against him. And it's not a good laugh. It's not like a happy laugh. It's a mocking laugh. And if you're, if you're concentrating today, that makes me nervous. <laughs> that makes me nervous. God is a God of love. God is a God of grace. All those good things we've spoken about, but God is a holy God and God will not be mocked. And he will fulfill his purposes in the earth today in spite of any government, in spite of any leader, any king doing what they want because he says, as for me, I have set my king on Zion. You see, Jesus is on the throne, folks. Jesus rules and he reigns. We don't just sing songs about that. It is a reality. And that's why I started there in Ephesians. It is true. All things will be united under Christ. He has authority over all things, all governments, all political parties, all new viewpoints on sexuality. Jesus reigns over all these things, all world religions. He reigns over them. We often get distracted by these things, don't we? We allow fear to come in to our lives, anger, different kinds of sin to come in, and it distracts us from our mission. I want to encourage you today. Nothing has changed in the mission of God for thousands of years. Nothing. Don't, don't, if, if, if you're watching all the news channels and reading, make sure you're reading scripture more because this is our reality. This is our reality. Christ is on the throne. He is totally at peace. He's not worried. He's not distracted. He has set his face like flint as we saw when he was a man on earth. And he is moving history towards this glorious point where he will come back for his bride. Ah long for that day. I hope it's in my lifetime. But there's work to be done before that happens. God goes on in verse 7. It says, the Lord said to me, you are my son. He's speaking to Jesus. You are my son. Today I've begotten you. Ask of me and I'll make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your 
possession. Folks, Jesus is interested in worldwide love domination. All right, in a loving way. People get nervous of that language. Jesus is, 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 has a, a, a clear purpose on the earth today of which he's invited every one of us in, and that is to spread his goodness, his love, to proclaim the truth of the gospel to every tribe and every nation on the face of the earth. We are told there's about 2,000 tribes, nations left, that don't have a reproducing church in them. All right? There's still over a billion people in the, in the world today who have no opportunity to hear what we heard this morning. They who have no opportunity to meet a Christian or to hear the claims of Christ, those claims that saved us when he claimed our lives. Over a billion people. And the most remarkable thing, and I'm going to kind of land this now, the most remarkable thing for me is that Jesus would use you and I to right that wrong. <laughs> I mean, he would use simple people, broken people, people who've messed up, who will continue to mess up. He chooses to use us to show his love, his grace to the world. It tells us in Isaiah that Jesus was a man of sorrows, that he came as, as that suffering servant. And through us, that through us, our suffering, our brokenness, our sorrows, our difficulties, God works out his plans. He works all things to his glory and for our good. Isn't that amazing? I, I'm blown away by it. I'm inspired by that day after day. I get to work with some of the most amazing people around the world, people who've suffered far more for Jesus than I will, who've sacrificed more, who know Jesus at a depth that makes me jealous and envious because suffering produces good things in our lives if we allow it. What you guys are going through here, COVID, what's happened recently, allow God to use those things to bring you closer to him, to perfect you in your weaknesses, and that he would use you, not just in Helena, but to the ends of the earth. And I want to end maybe just with this. I want to encourage you, leverage what you have. Leverage it. Leverage the good, the legacy in this church. I love, I've meeting so many people here and they're like, oh, that's auntie so-and-so or that's uncle so-and-so. I grew up in this church as a kid. Uncle Brian and auntie Margaret. There's, this, there's a strength here, a, a legacy which is so unusual. I want to encourage you to, to leverage all you have. The generosity of the people here has, has been so humbling for me. Leverage that. Leverage what you've built and building to live out your worldwide mission, not just your Helena mission. Can I leave you with that? I really hope as we go forward in our relationship that we can really serve one another in this and, and support and encourage one another along. At the end of the first service, I was making coffee. These two young girls came up to me and introduced themselves and, and they said, ah, thank you for your message. They said, I want to be a missionary in Africa one day. Could you pray for me? I was like, whoa, this is amazing. Could you pray for my daughter? Um, and, uh, and the other little girls, four years, no, she's about nine years old, but she said, when I was four years old, uh, God told me I was going to be a missionary in, in Rwanda. So I said, that's amazing. I said, what do you want to do there? She said, I want to start a school so I can tell people about Jesus. And I'm like, yeah. So I said, hopefully one day you and I will be partnering together in Rwanda. Folks, for me, our walk of faith 
is an adventure to be enjoyed every day. Jesus has called us and he set us free from our sin. He's daily helping us be free from all the stuff that holds us back. But he's called us not to obey a set of rules, not just to live out some kind of respectable life. He's called us into an adventure, something that's bigger than ourselves, something that terrifies us, something that we don't know how it works out, something that can make us really nervous, something that will make us sacrifice. I had the scripture in my heart this morning that unless a, a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it cannot bear fruit. And I just had that in my heart. I didn't share it earlier. Maybe there's someone here this morning, that's you. You're going to need to let something die in your heart. Let it die. Let it fall to the ground. And you'll see God will bring a harvest from that. So I want to pray for you. God bless you guys. You're an amazing people. I'm sorry I have to rush off just now. I wish we were here longer. And I hope to bring Shannon and my kids back sometime and enjoy some, some Montana hospitality and hopefully get on a hunt somewhere. I know there's a lot of hunters in this room, and uh, I love that too. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Just as we pray, I wonder if you could just consider if God has spoken to you about anything this morning. What is that grace upon your life? What is he calling you to do to respond to the gospel that saved you? And just ask some dangerous things of your father today. Just pray some big prayers, crazy prayers. God loves answering those ones. So Jesus, I want to thank you for this great, great family here, Lord, for this incredible people. Thank you for the history they have, Lord. Thank you for the depth they have. Lord, thank you for all the wins they've had. Thank you for the blessing they've been to the nations, Lord. Thank you for the families, Lord, that have been raised in this church and gone on to raise their own families. God, I want to just pray your special blessing upon them at this time. Lord, I want to pray you would fill them afresh with your spirit as a, as a group, Lord, as a church. You would so pour your spirit out upon them that it wouldn't be able to contain your goodness, Lord, in this place. And God, I pray you would, you would help them, Lord. You would empower them, Lord, to keep building this community so that, Lord, they can live out the worldwide mission you've called them to. In Jesus' name, amen.